This is so good. I can't even believe I'm telling this story. Please. Welcome to the On The Edge Podcast with your host, Scott Groves. All right. Hey, what's up, ladies and gentlemen? It's Scott Groves with the On The Edge Podcast. We're here with my new friend today, Chris, who looks very prim and proper and tall and (laughs) Good looking like most actors and um, crazy story. So when I got the second home up here in Nevada, Nevada has these archaic uh, mortgage laws where it's like, even if you have been licensed forever, you have to have a physical spot in Vegas to hang your license. So stupid. I've been over to the, uh, ugh. I've been over is the it, office it three times. California? It's worse than California. Wow. I've been over to the office three times to take different pictures of the shredder in the office. Cause the state of Nevada needs a shredder in the office. And um, I'm like, I haven't gotten a physical piece of paperwork from a loan client in eight years, nine years, something like that. So anyway, as I'm going through this process, they're like, oh, hey, there's this other loan officer that's attached (laughs) to this branch named Chris. I'm like, well, why isn't this dude driving back and forth to the branch? Shot you an email. Turns out Chris is also a loan officer who's up here in Vegas who works for the same company that I do. We're assigned to the same branch, even though neither of us ever have been into that branch. And I was like... No idea where it is. No idea where it is. It's Yeah, it's like a WeWorks downtown and... Oh, gosh. Anyway, so I call Chris. I'm like, hey, let's have a cigar. Get to know each other since we're at the same company in the same town sometimes. And um, turns out that you also relocated here from L.A. So we both have a place in L.A. and a place uh, up here in Nevada. Um, both been loan officers for a long time. But what's more interesting is you're also an actor, which like most <laughs> actors in America, they have to have a real job to make yeah, money yeah. and then struggle to uh, put food on the table acting. So how does one simultaneously decide to be an actor and be going to auditions and doing commercials? And I think you were on like a Star Trek episode or something yeah, like that. Yeah. Uh, and then like, this is a passion, but I got to pay the bills. So I do a lot of loans too. Like, this is this seems so weird to me because two totally different sides of your brain. Yes. Like, how the fuck does one decide to do finance and acting? They seem not not compatible. Yes. Yeah. It's a weird story, but, <laughs> but, but, but I'll tell you. Yeah. Let's dig in. So, <clears throat> I started doing the acting thing when I was twenty five. So I go into class. For me, I didn't. I didn't even think I wanted to be an actor. For me, it was more of a therapeutic type thing. I was struggling just in my life. Um, more like. Uh, emotionally struggling. Um, I grew up in a very kind of religious household. My parents were very strict. They're kind of like emotionally cut off, let's say. It was not the most expressive household. Um, Sprinkled with some good old religious guilt. Yeah, yeah. Lots of, yeah, a little guilt factory. Yeah. And then this feeling's good. This one's bad. You right, know, right. Happy's good. You know, this is bad. So just a lot. So I, I was, I'm a pretty emotional guy and I didn't even realize at the time what was going on, but I just felt like something's off. I felt weird, like... I feel like I have all this stuff inside me, and I didn't know what to do. And I was watching Oprah. I, was, I used to record Oprah for my mom, and so I would start watching it. So I, I watched Oprah for like 10 years. It's like greatest show ever on television. <laughs> okay. All right, there we go. Okay. So then I remember just there was some episode about like conquering fears or whatever, and I had no idea how to fix what was going on, but I thought maybe if I start conquering some fears, I'll start getting some answers. And I thought, well, what's the scariest thing I can think of? And I was going to an acting class. I'm terror, terrified. So I called a buddy of mine who was an actor, and I said, hey, do you know, you know, do you know somebody? And they said, oh, yeah, hands down, Eric Morris. I said, okay, I call Eric. And he's like, we have class on uh, Monday, uh, Tuesday, Wednesday. I said, yeah, no, no, to class. I can't, I can't go to class. I can't stand in front of people. I want to do privates. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't stand in front of anybody. And so, okay, we started doing privates. And that was just an absolute life-changing event. So for me, it wasn't even to be an actor. It was just to grow and 
whatever. And I, I got very lucky on this class because this Eric Morris person happens to be the foremost, like at all, all the acting teachers in the world, he's the one that specializes in your instrument, like unblocking you emotionally. You've got some blocks emotionally. The whole style of acting is <clears throat> whatever your feelings, it has to be real. No acting. He wrote a book called No Acting, Please. He wants you to become a professional experiencer. So the, the, um, the class is twofold. One, they teach you the process of acting. And then two, they have to deal with your instrument. You know, do you have any blocks emotionally? If you have some kind of and block- wait, why, why does that matter? Why, who cares? If I, <laughs> if, I have, if I have emotional blocks, I'm yes. not good at you know, accessing my feminine side, but I'm a good actor. Who gives a shit? Okay, I'll tell you. That's a, that's a good question. So let, let, let's just pick a feeling. You have a hard time falling in love. You have a hard time being sad. You have a, time I have a hard time expressing sadness. Sadness. Okay. We're doing a scene. You're devastated. You just lost your parents. I'm your brother. This is the scene. I'm telling you mom and dad died, and you're like, this is terrible, whatever. But you have a hard time. You, you can't do it just because the camera's on you. So if you, as a human being, have a hard time with those feelings, you can't just turn them on. You could fake it, but not real. You can't really go there. You'd have a hard time, right? Yeah. The, the class, it's real, has to be real. If you can't access it for real, it's not going to work for acting. So forget about acting and just think like experiencing feelings. So my coach Things always- that men are not particularly good with, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, it's yeah. Like, I remember seeing yeah. Mel Gibson or- I can't remember Mel Gibson <laughs> or Tom Cruise. They're like, hey, let's be honest. I look really tough on screen, but I put on makeup and play dress up for a living. <laughs> like I have to be yes. good at like getting in touch with my feminine side, putting on makeup- uh, expressing my feelings, uh, doing dress up and like pretending to be tough. Yes. And I was like, oh, that's a really interesting way to yeah. encapsulate yeah. what acting is. Yeah, it's true. And there's different acting styles. There are people that aren't all about being real. That's like a method kind of class. Hey, this quick interruption is brought to you by me, Scott Groves, the host of the On The Edge podcast. This podcast is brought to you by me. Uh, I'm a loan officer who can help you with a mortgage in all 50 states across the United States. I also coach loan officers. So if you are a home buyer who's looking to get a mortgage, if you're a realtor who's looking to partner with an awesome loan officer, or if you're a loan officer looking for coaching, get in touch with me. It's those sources of revenue that allow us to produce this podcast and get out a new episode to you every week for the last couple of years. So if you're looking for a mortgage, if you're looking for a mortgage lender to partner with, or you're looking for a mortgage coach, I'm your guy. Now back to your regularly scheduled programming. So explain method. Okay, yeah. Like method acting? Is yeah, method I've, acting. I've yeah. heard that term. I have no clue what, what it means. All it means is if you're doing method acting, then... Whatever you're feeling, you're supposed to be feeling in the scene, whatever emotion I'm seeing you express, it's real. There's no acting. So method acting means it has to be real. Got it. Is this why people like Ben Stiller have made 35 <laughs> movies basically just playing himself? Yeah, like he's not a method actor, but great. I mean, yeah. whatever he does is fantastic. Right, right. Because I, I, don't you just get the feeling he's playing uh, him? Like yeah. he's this goofy, he, yeah. was, he was the class clown. Like, yeah. oh, I'm kind of yeah. spazzy, but I'm funny while I'm doing it. Yes. Like all of his movies are just him playing a really dumb or a really smart version of him. You can make $100 million playing you. If you find that one <laughs> you that people want to hire, you know? Right. So, um, yeah. So that, that was, the, so it's very unusual. Most people, most classes, if you go to an acting class, they don't, they'll say they want real, but they don't, they don't really teach you how to do that, how to really feel something for real. How do you do that? You know? Right, right. So you have to learn how, and then you have to have the, the, um, the instrument to feel it. So here's the thing that I've never understood. Go ahead. And um, grab your cigar. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to pontificate. 
you know, there's that old joke where it's like those who can't teach and those who can't teach, teach PE. Um, so I always wonder when there's like a world-class sales coach yeah. or a world-class <laughs> acting coach, or yes. they're supposedly coaching in this industry where you can make big money. Like if you're the best salesperson in the world, you know, we know some loan officers who make millions and millions of yes. dollars a year. There's actors who make tens of millions or hundreds of millions of dollars a year. If you, like you mentioned this guy, Eric Morris, if he's the best, right? Why isn't he just the best actor? Why isn't he making $15 million a picture being the greatest method actor of all time and doing Shakespeare and comedy? And like, why isn't he, um, why isn't he Robert De Niro versus being Eric Morris? Like, I I don't get it. Like acting teachers kind of make me giggle inside because I'm like, well, if you were really good at it, wouldn't you just act? Wouldn't you just be, yeah. Remember Jeff Van Gundy? No. The next, the- Oh, the the coach, the basketball coach. Yeah, the, the short white. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Maybe teaching maybe five ten. Yeah. Teaching yeah. basketball. I mean, looks so, like everybody's accountant. <laughs> yeah. So teaching, you could, you know, Eric is a good a good actor, but he happens to have a real knack for teaching. Interesting. So he was pursuing his career. He never got the big break. He used to be hanging out with Jack Nicholson and a few other people. Jack got the break. He didn't get the break. And then he was just doing basic jobs. And someone said, "Hey, you should you should teach." And oh, he was going to an acting class. He was going to an acting class with. What's his name? Oh, yo, yo, it's escaping me. Doesn't matter. He had to go do a movie. He had to go do Cleopatra at the time. That's how, that's how long ago that he started teaching. So he Eric's did, an old dude if he was. He's 91. He, okay, so yeah, yeah. yeah. I was going to say, he's getting up there if he yes. had a role in Cleopatra. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, no, he was in an acting class. The teacher had to leave to go do a role in Cleopatra. Got it. He lost his acting class. A friend of his said, why don't you start an acting class just so you have somewhere to go? That's what started his teaching career. And then it turns out he just happens to be insanely talented. He didn't know. He didn't know he was talented. Interesting. He just was like making a couple of bucks. And then it turns out he has this insane talent. And he's written 10 books now. He's been teaching for 50 years. He didn't know it either. So he knows his craft really well. Really well, yes. So you mentioned, you know, Jack Nicholson got the break. Eric Morris didn't get the break. Yes. Um, uh, one of the most gorgeous women I know, friend of mine, Desiree Hall, Red hair, actress, beautiful. Like, she could very easily be Scarlett Johansson, right? Yeah. But somewhere, redhead Scarlett Johansson got the break, and Desiree did a couple cool commercials, and she chose a different path, being a mom and a great wife and everything. But it's like, how much of it is Scarlett Johansson is 1%, 10%, 40% better actress than other, yeah. insert redhead, versus just right place, right time, right casting director, right script, and boom, they take off, and now Scarlett Johansson makes $100 million a year. And the latter. The latter. Yeah. Just I mean, dumb luck. There's, well. Hard no, work, I, dumb luck? I think she worked, I'm sure, if we got our story, there's probably a lot, a ton of hard work. You'd be surprised because when you look behind the scenes, you have to go do auditions, right? Right. Well, you could suck. You could be a great actor, terrible auditioner. Explo- that doesn't make any sense to me. Explain that. I mean, you because auditioning is like its own thing. I, I always compare it to like, you could be a great boyfriend, husband, terrible at meeting women. Terrible. Ah. But you're great in a relationship. Right. But that like getting the girl, totally different skill. Than keeping the girl. Keeping the girl. Yeah. Totally different. Or you could be a great opener. You could, you could be <laughs> the best on a first date yes. and just be horrible boyfriend material. Horrible. Right. Got it. So in acting, if you're a good auditioner, you're going to book. If you're not a good auditioner, you're not going to book. You'd be the greatest actor ever and a terrible auditioner. You have famous people. If you listen to them talk, they'll talk about auditions. And they'll be like, oh, I hate auditioning. Auditioning is the worst. Uh, uh. It's just a whole other 
thing. Wait, isn't auditioning just a microcosm of the acting? Like, don't they say, hey, here's one scene from the movie. Just read this yes. scene and we'll see how you yes. you fit. Like, I don't get it. I've never been to an audition. No, no, sure. Okay, let's just say we have our we have our little heartbreaking scene here. that we're Okay, we're perfect. Do, okay? Brothers, Brothers, mom just died. Yeah, yeah, mom just died. You're about to fall apart. Um, in an audition, here's how it goes. So I'm going to go and audition for the part. I'm sitting in a chair outside an office. Come on in. You walk inside. Hi, um, Christian. Yeah. Okay, great. Um, all right, whenever you're ready. You do the scene. Thank you. Goodbye. Okay, that's very different than we're on set. We have hours to shoot. We do a little prep before. We're sitting in our chairs. We can relate to each other. You've done five read-throughs with the rest of the cast. Yeah, the, the, the environment's there. Right. We're in the scene. I mean, it's very unnatural. You, I've, I've walked into an audition room that was like a closet. Right. I mean, a tiny thing. There's a camera on you. It, it could not be more anti-acting. Right. You know? Hi, come on in. I mean, sometimes you have 10 seconds. You and walk do, in. And do you have the scene, like, weeks in advance to prep, or do a they day, hand it to a you? A day right? in advance. A day in advance. Yeah. Okay. So, so you come in. I mean, they, it's like, they even say, like, hey, how are you? And you're like, hey, how's it going? That kind of throws you off. Like, you're, in a, you're supposed to do a scene in, like, five seconds. Right. You have to literally go in, hi, while you have this running in the background. Hey, how's it going? Okay, I'm ready. And then, yeah. You know what this reminds me of? So Chris, our our audio guy, shout out to Chris. He's always here. Um, His older brother, amazing fireman, captain at his department, um, just all around great guy. Uh, Took him years to get hired by a fire department because Robert DeRosa, my best friend growing up, cannot take a standardized test to save his life. If he, see, if he sees a test that says A, B, C, D, or E, all of the above, pretty much guaranteed fail. Super smart guy. Way better with his hands and hands-on stuff than I'll ever be in my entire life. Um, great fireman. Has saved a bunch of lives. Has got promoted quickly. Is now a captain just deciding whether or not he wants to continue climbing the ranks in, uh, in California in the fire service. And cannot take a standardized test to save his fucking yeah. life. Every I think... Correct me if I'm wrong, Chris, but your brother was like flying to Seattle, Hawaii, driving to Vegas. He must have applied at 30, 40, 50, 100 departments. Yeah, he applied to a lot of places. He really wanted to get Clark County. Clark County, yeah. He wanted to move up to Nevada. But, but um, ended up in Monterey Park, a tiny municipality of Los Angeles. Yeah, and the old, by the way, the only reason he got in at Monterey Park is because he was a volunteer firefighter there, and they were like, Hey man, we'll kind of we'll kind of look the other way on the test because we know we know wow. your skill sets since yeah. you've been working here for free for two years and just um, yeah, it sounds very similar. Like maybe you can't audition for shit, but in the scene, in the moment, working with other actors, you'd kill it. Yes. All right. So yes. All right. So I'm gonna I'm gonna do something totally unfair since you work in the industry. Who have you met that's like a great auditioner and you're like, oh God, then you see him in the movie. You know they must be a great auditioner because they get into the movies. But when you see him on screen, you're like, this guy is not a good actor. And then vice versa. Is there anybody that comes to mind of like, man, they're such a great actor. I don't know why they haven't gotten a bigger break. I mean, I know people, nobody you would know. You Got know it. Because I, mean? I just don't know their auditions. You know, someone books the part, you just didn't see the audition. Right, right. Um, who's no, who's but, famous yeah. that shouldn't be famous? Come on. <laughs> who's famous that shouldn't be famous? Yeah. Let me think about that. Okay. I'm sure there's 50 people, right? Uh, yeah, 50 people of mine come to mind. But, but it's also, I like the I like the uh, get the girl, keep the girl thing. Mm-hmm. Because if you look at some of the audition, like you see everybody as like their actors, they're auditioning. But someone could spend 10 hours on an audition and the other one hour. I mean, it's not an even some game. Some people work a lot harder. Yeah. Them. I mean, a lot harder and become an expert in auditioning. And they're going to get more parts. Yeah. And so, I mean, it, it, it's shocking. If I, if I 
told you, some of the people I know, how hard they, I mean, your jaw would drop. It's like, that's my competition. Like, you have no idea there are people out there just crushing you. They're working. Explain that. I mean, I know somebody, she's, she's the fucking animal. Uh, she'll get a scene. I mean, she'll work 60 hours on a scene. I mean, that's her weekend. I mean, from morning to night, from morning to night. She is so prepared. For auditioning. Yeah. She's watched 10 episodes of the show. She's read the entire, she got her hands on the entire script instead of the two pages. She's coming and she knows how to dress. It kind of has the show vibe. She knows kind of the rhythm of the show. I mean, she's going to come in and crush you. And without using her name, is she a successful actress? Like, is she booking roles? Yeah. Okay. She, she booked 20 co-stars on her own without an agent. I explain why that's relevant. I mean, it's hard to get an audition without an, I mean, you think you need an agent? She just found a different way to get this audition. She would go to these, they have workshops. They have like these casting workshops. She goes to the casting workshop. She meets the casting director. Every now and then they'll call you and if they meet you in one of those things, when it books, she's that good. I mean, when she comes in, she's, she's a killer. Nails it. So she did like these th classes for six years and booked all the stuff. Most people aren't willing to work that hard. Yeah. I don't work that hard. So I, I've always, I've always suspected this, right? I don't know the first thing about mm -hmm. acting. I have no interest in being an actor, but if I did, uh -huh. it's kind of like gardeners and contractors. I feel like if I wanted to own a construction business or a gardening business, I would fucking crush it because I'll call people back. I'll be prepared. Yes, I'll sure. have the CRM. I know how to follow up. Like all the stuff that we have to do. And for people that are listening that aren't loan officers, loan officering is a weird job because you have to build relationships B2B with realtors. So you've gotta be really good at B2B sales and follow up and whining and dining and schmoozing. But then when you actually get the client, it's B2C because now you're working with the yes. consumer who's buying the house. Most people don't have both of those skill sets. Yes. They either sell B2B or they sell B2C. So I feel like if I really wanted to be an actor just to show all these schmucks how it really goes. Like, and I just worked my ass off. I did with this girl. You go to the workshops, do this, yes, network, yes. follow up, text. Like, I feel like I could get on a show because I would just outwork everybody else. And you could. For real? Yeah. Oh. It would take longer than you think. Right. It would take more than you think. But it's odd. All you, all we hear about, you know, are like uh, Johnny Depp got discovered, so-and-so, blah, 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 blah. Most people are behind the scenes grinding, working their asses off. Yeah. That's, those are the people that get on jobs. Right. Because you're not going to book a, just a big movie. You're right. You're going to get five lines, get another five lines, and lines here, and then 10, and da, 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 da. And then you have to get lucky to get a... I, there's a guy in my class. He booked six um, sitcoms. Six. As, of, as like a starring role. Or starring like role. A, like sign the contract, five-year contract. Blah, blah, blah. Didn't get picked up. Oh, so he did six pilots. Six. Explain to me. I haven't done one. Explain to people what a pilot is. So pilot is there's a new show that's going to come on TV, you know, called CSI or you know, like mm -hmm. whenever that came on, and CSI Idaho. Yes, CSI, <laughs> yeah, CSI Idaho, exactly. Um, and so they'll buy six, eight episodes. They, you know, and they'll shoot, you know, however many, and throw it out there, and see if consumers like it. Yeah. And then it gets picked up for a second season or it doesn't. Sometimes it doesn't go past the pilot. They just show one episode and then don't even do the other one. And do they usually show the pilot on TV or does that just go to the executives? No, they watch TV. it on TV. Okay. Yeah. So your buddy has had an at-bat connected with the ball six times. Unreal. And and all of them were like pop flies out on the first on the first. And ball. he could have been brilliant. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it doesn't even matter. Yeah. The best actor doesn't get the job, by the way. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I mean that, you and I go in life. for the role, and they're like, you just look like kind of a little bit like the guy more than me. I could be twice the actor. You'll get the part. 
Yeah, yeah, of course. Unless it's a giant role. But for right. like a 10-liner, 5-liner, you don't even really need to know how to act. Right. It's a, it's, it's a weird You're business. giving me encouragement that I should try acting just Let's for a year. Yeah. Just to, just to shit on all the people. Because I wonder, like, <laughs> the people are like, oh, yeah, I tried the acting thing. I wonder if you mm-hmm. could give them a truth serum. How many of them would be like, I did everything I could and it just didn't work? And how many people are like, yeah, I just didn't want to drive to the West Side for that audition. No, Maybe you, that you, would have been you, my moment. You probably didn't work hard enough. Yeah, just like everything else in life, Just right? like everything else in life. I mean, oh, I've been man. doing this a long time. I'm, I'm not, my acting career is not cranking. And I just, like in the last three years, put in way more time, figured out some things I'm not good at, attack that. It's just, there's no blueprint. Right. How, how do you figure out what you're not good at? Like, like, are you up in acting class and you're, you're, like, your coach suck. is like, yeah, <laughs> your coach is like, hey, dude, you can't cry. Those tears are bullshit. Yeah, bullshit. No. Um, I really, like three, it's embarrassing to say because I've been doing this a while, but three years ago, I realized it's all about auditioning. I know how to act. It's getting the girl. I'm, I'm yeah. the greatest boyfriend. I'm the greatest husband or whatever. Right. I can't get the girl. Got it. So I went and had to learn this new craft of auditioning. Yeah. And I've turned into a good auditioner. I'm just getting better and better. A year and a half, it really started to click. Callbacks started coming in. I, I with three callbacks to a Star Wars show. I didn't get it. But like you kind of look like one of the bad guys in Star Wars. <laughs> oh like you're tall, so you're tall, lanky. Like you'd be a, you'd be like the good douchebag from the uh, Republic. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll take it. Take it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Of course, yeah. right? Big douchebag. I'll take big, it. Big douchebag character. Yeah. Uh, I, there, that reminds me of this one scene in um, Friends, which I love that show when I was in high school, where like Joey's all excited because he got his big break. He finally like booked a commercial on a national ad campaign, and it was for like. STD, like hepatitis C or something. So he's hitting on this girl on the subway and he looks over, she looks over and like runs away from, I think it was like for gonorrhea or something. Chris, you're going to have to look this up. Like, um, uh, the Joey character in friends, he finally, finally books it as the struggling actor. And it's for like a gonorrhea or chlamydia commercial or something. And so then, then not only did he not get his big break now, no girl will sleep with him, but I feel like you would do the chlamydia commercial. if you had to. This actually a hundred (laughs) percent. I mean like jumping up and down. It's, it's funny. Like when you say that, oh yeah, yeah. I, 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 two seconds. Of course. It's just a job, you know? Right, right. But that, that, that happens frequently. I just, uh, maybe a month ago, I had an audition and it was weird looking, creepy, predator, whatever, some monster, whatever, right? And I'm like, and I was talking to my, to my coach for the audition. I'm like, when I was a kid, you know, like dreaming of becoming, I was thinking like, I'll grow up and be Cary Grant, you know? Right. Like pedophile. Creepy guy. You know, this, is yeah, the, this yeah. is the part, you know. This is the part I yeah, this like, is the part right, I was this made is, for. Yeah, this is it. This is it. Oh, I mean, weird looking right? stalker, you know, yeah. or whatever. But at some point, you become like, oh, I can be the weird looking stalker. Great. Right. So <laughs> somebody's got to do it. Yeah. Somebody's got to get paid to do it. It's weird. So at some point, you just relate it to it's just work. It's great. I mean, I'm sure Gary Oldman didn't go into <laughs> acting being like, you know what? I want to be the creepy, weird, uh, villain or drug dealer in every movie but all of gary oldman's most famous roles he's like this real creepy drug dealer it's great like true romance with the dreadlocks and like the wannabe black guy white guy you know like i mean he's just such a he's such a weird character but he does it better than anybody else it's great who who are some of your favorites like when you think of actors where you're like man that guy really knows his crap denzel Denzel. oh yeah i was just talking about the movie man on fire Earlier, oh, uh, earlier today. I love that movie. Yeah, the best revenge film I think probably of all time, except for maybe Gladiator. Eh, Gladiator probably first. Good. Man on I fire know how second. he works a little bit. There was tell uh, me more. He had a um, there's a guy in my class who co-starred with that movie where he was in 
prison? What was it called? Oh, um, yeah, where he was the boxer who uh, may or may not have killed somebody. Yes. Yeah. And there was, I believe, there was a, I don't know if it was his kid or just a younger younger man. Anyway, he was in my acting class, and he saw his notes, like, on the script. And he's, he's kind of method. Like, because he pr- approaches things real. I mean, he's, yeah. I mean, he really brings it, right? He's real. So he, he kind of has a little method process himself. I mean, he's the real deal, so I'm a big fan of his, big. On the other side of the coin, you just have um, Samuel L. Jackson, who, again, just somebody who's made hundreds of millions playing himself. And, I like, mean, he's great, too, right? Yeah, he's great. I mean, incredible. But there's nothing he's in where I oh, that was amazing yeah, acting. But Denzel yeah. is, like, so good in everything he so does. So good. Oh, man. All right, so I want to get back to this okay. idea of these emotional blockage, right? Because <laughs> you went there to get over your fear, but when we were talking, you're like, the weird thing is I got over a bunch of these emotional baggage, blockage, whatever. Yes. And it's something that you're so passionate about. You're talking about now maybe coaching it. Because yes. like so much in our life is just emotional baggage, right? Yes. Mom didn't hug me enough. Dad was too stern. You Some know, personality uh, things. Right, right, right. Yeah. So can you talk more about that? Like, okay, you're up there. You're getting comfortable taking acting class. <laughs> yeah. And Eric says, what? I mean, uh, you're always working on something emotional. So it could be like uh, my first day, let's just say. And I'm... Uh, I forget what my first exercises were, but I was a, a frightened turtle. So I'm like, you know, I'm scared, I'm insecure, I'm whatever. Um, and he'll just identify something like, uh, maybe he gets from you a little bit of a pushover, or you have a real pleaser personality. And well, if you just wanna play pleasers, that's great, but what if you have to play just a raging, you know, mean, whatever character? How are you gonna do that if you're not in touch with that? And so we wanna, from an acting point of view, you wanna be able to play a lot of different things. And so we have to get in touch with that, you know, from you being able to be a real mother effer and mean and angry and whatever. And if you have a hard time going there, you'd be like, we're going to start working on that. I would not have any problems going there. Okay. So yeah. then the vulnerable, sad, lonely, I would have a hard time accepting that. That would be my block. The, the mean asshole, prickish, okay, right. snarky. I, I'm totally good with that. Yeah. So um, then, then we would do that. Yeah. I have to work on that vulnerability. So where did you where did you find yourself excelling and where did you find yourself having a bunch of blockage? I was a mess. <laughs> I mean, dude. Oh, so I, you I were like, an actor. I was like the most blocked person. I mean, I I should not have been on that stage. I I I did 14 months of private lessons because I didn't have the nerve to get in front of people. I was so scared, I was so terrified and so desperate to come out of my shell. People as afraid of me don't go to acting classes. So right. It was no, just a weird. Just hide. Yeah. My, Eric calls me Ripley's Believe It or Not. From where I started to now, he's like, it's, just, it's mind-blowing. And I'm like, you know. So, I, so I, you went 14 months before you would, quote, unquote, act or even get in an acting workshop in front of other people? I could, yeah. I just the thought of standing in front of people was just insane. Couldn't do it. That's so, that's so different than who you are now. It's, that it's, I just, uh, it's, uh, Yeah. It just doesn't people make just sense. Yeah. I wish I had this on camera. I'll tell people that, yeah, there's no way. It's like, no, man. I mean, so if I won an Academy Award, which I'm nowhere close to winning right now, but if I won one, that moment of getting on stage after those 14 months standing in front of people, that was like, that was a real monumental, like this was never going to happen moment. And then once you got up there, did you feel comfortable or was it constantly trying to overcome (sighs) that for another five years, seven years to this day? I don't know. Uh, Funny you mentioned five years. So I remember the first, this is how I remember it. I don't know if it went down exactly like this. I remember the first three years being terrified, going to terrified. And then I went to really scared. And then I went to scared. Oh, I think it was two years, terror, then really scared. 
then scared, then you're five, you know, more comfortable. So there must be something in your personality that caused you I'm to stick stupid. with it for five um, years. <laughs> no, you're not stupid or idiot. No. But, you know. I, the, I, no, you know what it was? I'm very driven. Got it. And that drive, thank God for that drive, because my lack of confidence, my insecurity, the drive pushed it. Without that drive, I would have been dead. Yeah. I always joked that back in the day, I, was, I had no self-esteem. And I would joke saying, I was jealous of people with low self-esteem, you know? And that's not really too far off, man. I mean, I just, it was bad, bad. You know, everything you're saying, I can think of so many parallels of like, if you're driven, you'll make it. If you're not, you'll not, right? It's like, there's a sign at my old, old gym for jujitsu that says, a black belt is just a white belt that didn't give up. Because <laughs> very few people make it past their first year of jujitsu because it just sucks. You're getting your ass kicked. There's like some kid that, looks like a twig who's just throwing you around <laughs> like a rag doll because he just knows more than you. It's very humbling and embarrassing and sometimes painful, frequently painful. Sometimes you get injuries. But it's like once you get past that first couple of years, like, okay, now I can go with somebody who's much better than me and not get hurt or yeah, at least not It's a great analogy, crushed. yeah. Yeah, and, and then ironically, around five years, around when you're like a good purple belt, that's where you start fucking other people up and you're like, oh, I've got some confidence now. I've, oh, five I, years, I yeah. went from terrified and couldn't breathe to like, I can breathe and I'm terrified to where I'm just a little scared and I can breathe to where, oh, now I can go on the offensive. Yes. And it takes it takes most people about four or five years to be able to go on the offensive and feel good about it. Um, so who gave you the drive? I think I was born with it, I think. My dad worked really hard, so I kind of have like the worker thing. But no, I think it's I think it's genetics. I think, I don't yeah, know. I, and also just being really messed up and desperate. Like, I can't live like this, you know. So I think it was that too, right? Yeah, because I mean, you have a professional sales job. Could yeah. you could you have done this job if you didn't first at twenty five no. do the acting? No, no, no. So when did you get into loans? I was thirty. Hang on a second. I did 2007, 2008. Uh, Sir, 16 years, 17 years, something like that? Yeah, I think I was 33, I think. All right, so, so yeah, you're almost 50? Yeah, 50, yes. I just turned 50. Yeah. Okay, yeah, so 16, 17 years you've been doing this. Yes. No, I'll say it for you. No chance you could have done this job as a salesperson with, like, low self-esteem because we get rejected no. from realtors and clients almost as often as actors do. I mean, it's so far away from that. There's no, I mean, there's... People are going to have a hard time. They think, man, I'm trying to sell something, you know, right. like trying to sell how bad it was. No, right. no, I'm, I'm telling you, I could not have done that. I mean, not even close. Yeah. Not even close. So, so far away from that. What other, what other areas of your life has acting helped in? Oh my God. I mean, it, it was, it was the biggest therapy of my life. I mean, I, I couldn't stand in front of people. Which just sounds weird because, like, you talk to most actors and they're like, oh, actors are the most broken people. They need the most therapy. Well, except for maybe comedians. Comedians probably number one. Actors probably number two. But for you, the acting was the therapy. This, this emotional part, this emo the, the instrumental therapy, we call it, that was the life-changing thing for me. So I built confidence. I a million things. I had a hard time sticking up for myself at the time, which I don't have a problem now. I had a hard time getting angry. I could get kind of pissed and all that, but I mean, real, like I'm going to kill you kind of angry. Right. So uh, that, I remember I had a hard time. I had to do a scene where this guy's really sorry and I couldn't pull it off. And they're like, you have a hard time apologizing. That thing, like, I'm so sorry. Like, you know, I, I don't know. I was defensive. I, I couldn't go there. Just something super simple. I had to work on that for this scene. Right. And then, you know, I can now, now can just be very sorry. 
I'd have to write, I'd have to think about it and write it down. There's 75 things like that. I couldn't talk to girls, terrified, you know? And he, my, my coach. Which is pretty crazy because you're like six foot something, skinny, blonde hair, blue eyes. Like, you're the guy that most guys are scared of talking to their girl. Yeah, but I mean, you just, just didn't have the skills, didn't have the confidence. Um, a little bit of a late bloomer. Yeah. I, I mean, it just changed my, I had to do a scene. You look more like Dolph Lundgren than Danny DeVito. <laughs> yeah. So I would think that like talking to girls wouldn't be a problem. Yeah, but I don't know. I mean, like, it doesn't matter, you know, it doesn't matter what you look like. Yeah. Whatever, however I was raised, whatever the thing was, wherever my damage was. Right. I had zero confidence. Yeah. I remember being 23, talking to this really pretty girl and noting like, wow, this is the first time I'm talking to like a really pretty girl. At 23. At 23, yeah. Talked to women before, but like I, just, I, 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 I couldn't even. And then uh, my, Eric's so funny. He's like, one day you're going to beat him away with a stick, okay? And I'm like, well, I wouldn't say I beat him away with a stick, but I, I, I don't have any hang-up talking to women. Right. I mean, they can be a little scary sometimes, but not, not at all. Right. You, you could point to a girl, and I just walk up and start talking to her. I mean, the fact that this guy <laughs> is now that guy, I, I just tripped myself out. So... so what if people are listening to this and this is maybe where, you know, you start to go into like, oh, I think this could be a form of coaching or, or life coaching. Yes. Somebody's listening to this and they're like, man, I've got all the same fears, yes. hangups, insecurities, but I don't want to be an actor. Like, I don't want to commit yes. to that. Is there, is there a way to do this emotional blockage, this instrumental training without wanting to be an actor? Yes. Okay. Tell me more. I, I Okay. The way I see, let's talk about therapy, talking head therapy. I believe in talking head therapy. It has its place. But I was talking to Eric about this, been talking about this for years. Something's missing with that. Okay? So you go to a shrink, and you can find out why, what happened. And there is value in that, knowing what happened and talking about it. But you do not get any tools to antidote it. You just learn, you become informed, and you express yourself. But that's very different than, you know, you want bigger biceps, here's the routine, right? You got to right. go to the gym, you got to work out. Where is that piece? Just knowing something is not going to cure you. Right, right. So really, therapy should be two things. One should be like understanding that, and the other should be exercises devised to antidote it. Right. And they don't do that. So the... the, the well, they got, they got to keep a client. Yeah, stupid. They can't cure you too fast. <laughs> yeah, please. Yeah, they, they squashed this years yeah. ago. Yeah. yeah. So what we do, this isn't therapy. This is for acting purposes. So we don't deal at all with why you are the way you are. I'm just dealing with you. Have some block. You have a hard time with vulnerability. All yeah. right, let's let's do some uh, instrumental therapy exercises to get you in touch with your vulnerability, and you just do them over and over and over and over. And it works. Yeah, at acting at acting class, they don't give a shit that mom didn't hug me enough. It they just matter. want to know how to cure the problem. It, right. So Eric did nothing getting into why. He just had to, as a teacher, come up with how do I get you over this hump. That started a fifty-year journey of coming up with all these exercises to deal with your emotional. Issues, blocks, fears, obstacles. You have to be able to express your feelings, who you are, without any blocks and obstacles as an actor. And so that's the, the goal is to get you there. This should be in life. Right. Right? I mean, it's just crazy. This should be a high school class. Yeah. So the weird thing is, if I said, hey, uh, uh, you know, do you want to get more in touch with your vulnerability? It's like, well, uh, maybe yes, maybe no. Right? Right. But if we had to do a scene, it's not about you getting in touch with your vulnerability. Like, we want to do the scene together. Right. It's, it's like a different psychology around it. Yeah. It doesn't feel so like you have to deal with yourself and yeah. deal with your issues. Like we're playing. Yeah. It we doesn't, have, we, it doesn't we, feel we, intrusive at all. Yeah. Like we want to do the scene. That's why you're doing it. But the boomerang effect after we're done with the scene is 
Dude, you're more in touch with your vulnerability in your life. I mean, it's insane. So I look at this, people that know me, I just, I mean, I, I, I don't do professional coaching with my friends, but, you know, just talking about issues. I mean, I've just helped so many people that at some point, I'm like, what? I mean, I feel like I wish this were out there in the world for non-actors yeah. because us actors have benefited so greatly. So that's why I'm like, I wish I could help people in this way. And I thought, you know, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of people in sales that don't have your and my sales personality. Right. And they might have way more problems like how to deal with the blocks and the, uh, you know, that, uh, the rejection yeah. and the fears and all that. And they could use that. Yeah. Unless you just have the wiring of pushing through, what do you do if you're like, you're scared, you're insecure, you're nervous, whatever your problem is. Right. And right. this could help anybody. Yeah. So I just wonder in our field, you know, I'm like, there's, there's a place for this. I, and it goes quick. I was, talking, I was talking to a $100 million female producer who was, we were talking, we were getting into some of this. And she was like, yeah, it just does not matter how much success I have. I still have this fear of like meeting new people uh-huh. and talking to new realtors and asking them for the business. Like I know I do a better job than my competition. I have a track record that shows that I kill it. They want to work with me. I want to work with them. But I just have this blockage around asking for the favor of sending me the first deal. I hate deal. it too. Yeah, yeah, I hate it <laughs> I mean, too. I, yeah. I don't know if therapy is going to get over that. I hate that too. Yeah. But- um, yeah, it can help. I mean, like I hate it too. So it's not like I'm not, I'm it's not like I can feel everything and I'm fine with it. I mean, there's right. still feelings. I, still I, I can feel them, but I don't like it. Right. I still avoid stuff or whatever. Um, uh, but yeah, it would, it would help with that. The shocking thing is how quick it goes. You, you'd be, you would do three vulnerability exercises. Let's say over a three week, you would, after three times of doing it, you're, you're going to see a difference. It's mind blowing. Can you give me, and I don't care it's about, if it's about vulnerability or any yeah. other, can, do you remember some of these exercises? Yeah, that you sure. Give yeah, oh, yeah. I know, I know so, them all. All right. So give me, give me, give me a couple of exercises, pick, pick an emotion or pick a blockage and then okay. give me a few exercises. Okay. So let's just say, um, you're a pushover. Yeah. Like my mom, let's say my mom, my mom was a pushover. Got it. <laughs> so she lives in her pleaser energy. Got okay? it. Okay. And which is fine, you know, but I never see her get angry ever. We're, and you can be like, ah, it's her personality. She doesn't get angry. No, that's not true. Everybody has anger. Right. All the feelings inside, but she's blocked in that area. So I would say, mom, okay, so we're going to you know, deal with this. And I'm going to say, okay, here's what we're going to do. Let's, let's start here. <clears throat> if we were on stage and there were chairs, empty chairs, I'd say, I want you to put a fill of these five chairs with people in your life that have really fucked you over in your life that you have real agenda with that you have not confronted. So I want you to think about think people, what they've done to you in relationships, how you've been screwed over. It could be anybody. Put them in the chairs, okay? So we're going to start over here. Who's sitting there? It could be like my dad or whatever. Right. I want you to rip him a new asshole. And if you're a pleaser, it's kind of funny. It goes like, this is how the exercise could go. I've seen this before. It's hilarious. Okay, um, you bastard. Okay, you with your perfect face and your unbelievable body, you go screw yourself. It's like, no, that's not, that's not ripping somebody a new asshole. You're like complimenting them, right? Because right. you're a pleaser. It, it's hard to go there. Right. And so we have to coach. Like, no, 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 not that. That's a compliment. Right. <laughs> you and your perfect face, you know? Right. So I'm like, no, tell them how you feel. You hurt me. You hurt me, you motherfucker. Tell them. And she has to do it. Do it. I have to get you, I have to, get you to express that anger. Yeah. That's, that's the emotional stretching exercise. 
it's kind of like a version therapy where like I'm scared of snakes. They're like, all right, dude, grab a snake, you little bitch. <laughs> a, yeah, there's a certain degree. There's that. It's hard to do on your own because you're not going to want to quite go there. Right. And right. so the coach would be like, you know, you do that. There's a bunch of different exercises. Yeah. But that's one because the exercise is for you to feel it. Bottom line. Just the, feel the energy of being angry and telling someone off. Yes, for real. And you, you, it's funny. They could be sitting there or not sitting there. When you get into it, it's like they're sitting there. It's bizarre. I mean, it, it bubbles, Oh, no, I get it. It bubbles up. I've written some emails where I think the person's in the room <laughs> yes. and I'm ready to punch them in the face. I'm like, this why? And then you did this and then you did that and you're a piece of shit. And then I'm like, why am I writing this? It's, I, I know, it's so cathartic just to write the yes, email. Yes. And then I'm like, you know, you get that tightness in your chest like you're ready to get in a bar yeah. fight. Um, and then you're just like, oh, okay, well, now, now I'm kind of. Yeah, I'm kind of over it. I don't know that I need That's to That's funny. The writing thing is actually a choice approach, we call it. A what? Uh, a choice approach. Like okay. if you had to get into a certain uh, thing. I don't use this. But writing what you just did about somebody, that can actually get you in touch uh, with some of those feelings. That's an actual process. Yeah. But that's an emotional stretching exercise. She talks to all five people. I have to make sure she goes there. She's going to have a very hard time going there. Yeah. And she's going to be worked up a little bit. Like, how do you feel now? They're rumbling, right? It's going to be uncomfortable. Let's do that 10 times. Uh, I'm I'm laughing because <laughs> I chose a choice exercise one time of writing something, and it backfired miserably. Did it really? Miserably. What did you do? <laughs> so This is so good. I can't even believe I'm telling this story. Please. So uh, let's just say I was not exactly a faithful gentleman with the girls that I dated in my 20s. Okay. Um, I, I was a habitual cheater, and I had this horrible habit of, like, I was such a pansy, just, I was such a, I was such a weak I was of such weak constitution that I couldn't bring myself to break up with a girl when I knew that it would run its course. So I would just find someone else and kind of start, you know, exiting stage left with this other girl until the girl I was with figured out like, oh, he's not into yeah, me anymore or he's cheating on me or something. It was horrible. And so there was this one girl, Liz, that I was dating who I actually wanted to like, I wanted to be with and she was awesome and she's a great girl and I can't believe I treated her like shit for probably too many years. Um, and there was this other girl who I wanted to do the thing with, right? I, I wanted to like start ex exiting stage left with this other girl and leave the girl I was with. And I was like, you know what? It would be really cathartic just to get this down on paper. So I was like, not my girlfriend Liz at the time, Lisa or whatever her name was. I can't remember her name. And I just wrote down all the things like in a letter to her that I was going to do to her and that we were going to do together and all kinds of sexual innuendo and not so innuendo, just sexual. <laughs> um, and I wrote this letter with no intention of it going to her or not nothing I had acted on. And my girlfriend, Liz, found that letter. Oh. And I just, I remember coming home from work and she's sitting on my bed, just oh. tearful. You're cheating on me. You have this deep relationship wow. with this other girl. And like, try lying to a girl. Wow. Be like, no, no, no. That was, yeah. that was me getting my emotions out. So I didn't have to cheat on you. Yeah. And uh, don't you see how emotionally well I am? Yeah, I know. Yeah. It backfired miserably. Wow. Um, so don't do the written letter yes, thing unless yes. you plan to burn it right wow. after you write it. Ooh, that's brutal. Um, yeah, it was brutal. <laughs> and and I did plenty of horrible things to that poor girl um, in our relationship that well, she, deserved, deserve it. That she yeah. deserved to be yeah. mad at. But that one, ironically, <laughs> yeah. was not the thing that wow. I should have got busted for. Wow, yeah, that's, um, that's funny. And yeah, that's, you just... Tell, you telling that story vividly made me recall something from 20 years ago, which is crazy. I have not thought of that memory in 20 years. Um, that's a good one. See, we, good we, one. we could use that in your new acting career. Perfect. If you had to, like, you got caught. 
Yeah. That's kind of a good moment. I could go there's there. A, there's a way to get you to kind of feel that again. Yeah. So uh, do you do that? Like when you're acting and something sad, do you remember my favorite uncle passing away and like try to channel those emotions? Cause I'm always impressed with people that can cry on demand. No, um, it's not, there's a process. There's not channeling. There's an actual pragmatic process to getting there. All right, tell, tell me about that process. Oh boy, that's a little hard to explain. All um, right, try. Um, this is like trying to verbally explain to somebody how to tie a tie. It's no, just it's very a, hard it's to do. A, okay. The thing that you want to do, if you have to feel something, you can't, you can't will yourself into feeling something. I okay. want to feel anger. I'm angry. Uh, we've discovered that thinking about something doesn't really work. It could work once, twice. It doesn't consistently work. You really? think of, yeah, you could think of something that makes you mad, but it won't work every time. We have a process right. that works every time. I don't know. Paying taxes makes me <laughs> mad every time. That's a great that's You a can great start choice. talking about yeah. taxes. I'll be like, all right, yes. let's do the fight scene right but, now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, but just thinking about it right. is not going to do it. Okay? So what you want, you want to have, we always say in acting, there's stimulus, effect, response, expression. All right, hold on. I want to write that down. <laughs> I mean, that's not so super important. Stimulus, effect, response, expression. So you don't want to work for anger. You want to work for a choice that makes you feel angry. A choice is a person, place, object, or thing. So it could be a person that, that really pisses you off. Okay. So to get there, you're working for the person right. that then stimulates the anger. I pick Gavin Newsom. This guy perfect. really pisses perfect. me off. Perfect. Let's right. pick that. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. And so he would be the stimulus. If it works, you if, have to try it out. See if no, it works. Oh, yeah. it would absolutely work. Yeah. So if that's I, your prep. If I need an angry scene, I just start talking, thinking about that, that guy. Yeah, not thinking. You have to talk to him. Not thinking. Talk to him. Talk to him. Yeah. How dare you fuck up the beautiful state of California, you motherfucker? Yeah. I'm going to get pissed off talking about yeah, that. Yeah, see, see? Yeah, I, no, I knew but I, did. I mean, like that, that, I, I mean, right? Right. That piece of shit. Yeah. So I, I, I don't need that much time. 10 seconds in. Yeah. Right. It's, a, it's a good choice, yeah. actually. Right. For the people listening to the podcast, not seeing it, both of us are like yeah, raising right. our shoulder. Yeah. We're like, where's Gavin? We'll yeah, get him. Yeah. We'll get him. Um, all right. So, so there's the stimulus. Now, what's the effect? The effect was we both got angry. The stimulus. Yeah. Effect. Yeah. And then my response is how I respond. Yeah. And then choose to express or not express. Because I could be like just pissed sitting here. I'm not right. expressing. But my response is there from this guy. Like I'm just fuming. Right. Looking at this guy, right. I'm just dreaming of what I'm going to do to this man. And then you got to read your lines and it all comes out. And then I have to blend it with the lines. So the lines are, I mean, if you got lucky, they're close to what you would say to him, but it may not be. Right, okay? right. You'd be like, uh, you know, if it's Star Trek, right? The transponder, you mother, you know, whatever. Right, right, right. But you're relating to the actor as though they were Gavin. Yeah. So I'm talking to you're the actor, but I'm kind of talking to Gavin through the words. Yeah. Because that's my choice. Totally makes sense. Um, I, I got this suggestion. Ironically, I just gave this suggestion out today. A friend of mine changed careers from mortgage. He's doing, uh, he was a world-class operations whiz in mortgage. But as you know, the space is condensing. He's kind of sick of oh, fighting really? for jobs. Yeah. You think it's getting smaller? You've heard? You've yeah. heard? <laughs> um, he's sick of fighting for jobs. So he's doing these uh, custom pool builds where he's like a project manager and salesperson. And he's like, you know, I've kind of been tasked with doing a lot of social media. But when I look at the camera and I just start talking, it's not me. Mm. And I'm like, yeah, I get that because that used to be me too uh, before I got comfortable being on film. And somebody gave me this suggestion. They're like, hey, when you're doing a video for realtors, don't think of all the realtors that you would be talking to. Talk to your favorite realtor, Kenya. Yeah. So I look in the camera and I'm like, 
I'm thinking yes. in my head, oh, I'm just talking to Kenya. This yes. is just a conversation with my favorite realtor. That's it. Right? Yep. And then I just talked to her. Yes. And I gave him that advice. He's like, holy shit, I never thought of that before. Oh. And I'm like, yeah, same thing. If you're trying to sell a client, think of a specific client. For me, it's Bobby Luther, one of my favorite clients. I'm like, if I'm trying to explain a concept to a client, Bobby's super sharp, but she doesn't do loans for a living. So I'm just like, I'm thinking about talking to Bobby. And uh, it's kind of dummy proof. It just makes it so much no, easier. Great. No, you're, that's it. Boom. I'm going to become a social media coach. <laughs> from, from an acting thing, I'd say, yeah. You kind of want to place her, try to see her there. Mm-hmm. What's the color of her hair? I mean, it gets a little more specific on the, on the acting process. But what you say is, that's it. Talk to this person. Talk to that person. Because you have feelings about that person. And you're relating yeah. that person. And that's perfect. Great. Amazing. Great. Yeah, great advice. So what do you want to do in acting? Like, if, if money was no issue, like, we obviously have to earn a living. But if money was no issue, would you go on 50 auditions a week? Would you? 100%. You would. Oh, okay. yeah, 100%. Okay, so you're you're still passionate about this. Oh, you would love for it to work out long-term. It's, it's so fun. Really? Yes. When you have a... Pro- Going into that closet and <laughs> having to audition, that sounds like the seventh circle well, of hell. After 10 years of auditioning, it starts to get fun. Okay, okay, <laughs> okay. perfect. At, at some point, I remember Brian Cranston said this, where he said... He's one, from, uh, he's from uh, Breaking Bad, right? Yes, yeah, yeah, yes. Okay. Where he's like, you know, you go so long, it's so hard to get jobs... This might be the only time you have to act. Auditioning is your time to act. You like acting? Go ahead. So to see it like you're there to do your thing. You're not there to book the job. You're there to act. So at some point that kicked in for me. And it's like, that's a wonderful scene. I get to do it. Don't worry about booking. You like acting? Act. It's a really pragmatic way to look at working for free. (laughs) (laughs) It's a good one because you don't want to go in trying to book the job. It's a real hindrance emotionally. Really? Yeah. Uh, you want the sale. Hi, you're going to give me the deal? You're going to give me the yeah, deal? Yeah, that's true. Give, right? People can smell that on the yes. on the car dealer. Like, you can always tell the guy at the car dealership who hasn't sold a car in a couple <laughs> yeah. days because you can just, you can yeah. smell the, like, oh, the, the desire to close the deal. You can smell it coming off of them. It's gross. And once you say, too, like, uh, in sales, your process shouldn't be, am I going to get this deal? Right, right. It's the same thing with acting. It just kind of derails you. Yeah, it, it's so funny because when I'm coaching loan officers and they're like, okay, well, what do I do if this? And what do I do if that? And then do I have to tech? I'm like, look, once you click send or call, your job is done. Like you can't control whether the realtor picked yes. up the phone. You can't control whether yeah. they say yes. You can't control whether they have a deal for you or if they give you the deal. You can't control if they send you to voicemail. All you can control is I click the button to make the call and whatever happens from there happens. That's it. And, and that's it. And uh, you have to be emotionally detached from the outcome. Um, I, I, I'm not, I can't be, I'm hurt. That was, you know, back in the day. Right. It rolls off me more now. Yeah. But yeah, for me, I had to deal with those feelings, you know, hurt, rejection. Well, for someone who doesn't like rejection, I chose loans and acting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what? The whole thing is rejection. <laughs> you, you, I wrote this down. You live by that Tony Robbins quote where he says, if you can't, you must. <laughs> like you really took that to heart at some point. You're like, I cannot do I any must, of this. Yeah. I must do I must. both these things for a living. Yeah, weird. Oh, so I, I don't even think I asked this. Have you had any success? Have you made money acting? Have you booked any gigs? I know we joked I, about the Star Trek episode, I, but like, I did, I did. is yeah. there some money coming in or are you getting paid residuals for anything you've been on? Or I got a seven cent residual check the other day. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> I've gotten it down to two. You got a two cents. Two cent residual check. Check it out. My f- the first thing. Did that, that just make <laughs> you mad or cry or sad or uh, laugh? Or- I, this is like the thousands two cent check I've received. Okay, cool. We're getting up to a copy. So it's like, I feel guilty that they sent this out. 
Yeah, it's like you're killing the environment, yeah, guys. Yeah, seriously. Could, yeah. Couldn't you just direct deposit this? Yeah, or like anything under twenty cents, just uh, twenty five cents, yeah, fifty cents, just donate it, it yeah. to like the the Actors Fund of America. Whatever, or something. I'm fine with it. Yeah, yeah. I booked Reno nine one one. Do you remember that show? Yeah, I love that show. Okay, I, it's my first. I just started auditioning, and I I booked it. Couldn't believe it. I didn't book anything after that for like eight years. Okay. Okay. I, I booked that. Did it. Comes out. I buy the DVD set at the time. They cut me out. Oh. I'm looking, I'm like, I thought it was season four. Then I bought like season five. Right. Maybe it was the next season. Maybe I got it wrong. And I'm like, I, 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 I look, I, where am I? Finally, I'm like, oh, I, I got cut out. But I'm in the opening credits for a quarter of a second. And so they have to send you two cents, seven cents. I've made probably 10 grand. Shut up. Over 15, Yeah. That all of a sudden I'll get like $30, like 10 checks, 30, 35, 24, 50. And they sold it. Like now it's airing whatever, you know, what on Netflix trip. or something. A quarter of a second. We're in, in the shoot. I hit somebody. Had to hit somebody. So they have like a montage, like where uh, four hits, boom, boom, like cut quick in the, uh, in the opener. Boom, 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 boom. And one of them's me. Just like a very quick whatever. And they have to pay me to this day. I, I cashed checks last week. This was 15 years ago. So basically, if you're an actor who books a long-running sitcom, you're pretty much done for life. Done I mean, obviously, life. everybody can outspend their earnings. Done for life. But if you book one sitcom, you should be financially stable pretty done. much for life. Yes. That's bonkers to me. Hard to book a sitcom. Yeah, well, of course. I'm not saying, it, I'm not saying it's but easy. Yeah. I'm just saying no, yeah, you no just, job where you're you set for lucky, life is easy. Lucky, but. lucky, lucky, lucky. I mean, it's just overpaid. Oh, God. You know? But in the end, to me, I really enjoy the process of acting. It's just, it's, in the end, it's just fun. It, see, nothing that you've said thus far <laughs> sounds fun, fun to me. I mean, I kind of want to do it just like, because I don't want Come to. On, I kind of feel like I should go to at least one acting if class. If you can't, you must. must. Yeah, I know. Um, we, we have a friend of the show, Mike Eaton, who's a, a amazing comedian. And he's, you know, he's putting in his 10 years right now. Because like every comedian that's worth a damn that's making money, they're like, oh, yeah, I, 10, was, 10. I was dead broke for 10 years. I had to do... Too. Had to do 20 open mics a week and got paid $5 for driving across state lines. And I got, but I got a free beer. So I got $5 and a free beer. And I'm like, this is crazy, man. Like sometimes I'm so proud of them. And sometimes I'm so angry because I'm like, <laughs> you're so smart. You could have a good job and you could take over your mom's company. And I'm just like, why aren't you doing the thing that we're told to do in America? And other times I'm like, man, look at this fucking guy following his dream. I'm so impressed. Yeah. But it's like, Everything, everything that he says, other than the part about being upstage and telling funny jokes, which takes a lot of work, sounds horrible. I'm just like, everything but, about this following your dream say, sounds okay, horrible. But let's say we're doing a scene and it's a cool scene. We're okay. two cops. Yeah. We got to go in this house, you know, see what's going on or whatever. And we got to da-da-da-da-da. Yeah. Well, there's a process to approach the material. And when that process is, is fun. So when we're rehearsing, we're having a good time. Yeah. We break down the material. You have to learn the lines. What's going on in the scene. What choices do we have? Yeah. It's, that, that's enjoyable. And then you're feeling everything. The emotional experience of doing the scene, you're feeling it. That's enjoyable. Yeah. You know, if I was in really great shape, I'd love to be like haggard, like Navy SEAL number four. No speaking lines, <laughs> yeah. anything like that. But you get to go on set, dress up in all the cool gear, run around as shit's exploding, pretend like you're, you know, reliving your Rambo days. Yeah. To me, that would be really fun. Like, like, Green Beret number five, who has no speaking lines, if but it's just kind of in the background. I'll say it here. 
I'll get you Green Bray number five. Perfect. If I'm at the point ever. Perfect. Where I can bring somebody in. Perfect. I've got a friend who he's got the look. You know, he's like, he looks like a retired Navy SEAL. He's pretty buff. He's actually been on the show, G. Russell. And he's got some gun knowledge and he's done some knife fighting and judo shit. I don't know what, some, some crazy martial arts where you snap fingers and stuff. And every once in a while, a friend of his who's, who's a big deal actor will call and be like, hey man, no speaking lines, but we need... You know, we need Navy SEAL number six, and he just, he just looks the part. And so he's been in a bunch of movies as, like, uh, you know, the, the 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 guy to fill out the squad. And he's like, it's so cool, man. You get to put on the vest and throw the grenades and all kinds tomorrow. of crazy shit. You could do that tomorrow. Yeah, no, that, that it, too much work. Yeah, it is, but you could. That you could do. Because you have, you have a, a fighting background. Yeah, I, been, I was in the military. I know how to handle a weapon. I didn't do that. And then just the look. You kind of look the part. Just get him yeah. in there. I just got to I got to lose like 20 more pounds and no, get some, no, get some six-point abs. No, no, the role is 20 pounds got to be on there. Okay, yeah. I, they have all different. Do they have the role for like chubby, past his prime white guy? Like middle-aged, chubby, really? You should see the breakdowns. There's no political correctness in breakdowns. Oh, like, tell me about this. I need, <clears throat> we're looking for one fat, ugly, whatever. Uh, must be, do not send... Good-looking people, like yeah. must be, yeah. and then he's fat. Yeah, I need obese, whatever. It's specific. There's no. I need pot belly, uh, Paul Giamatti doppelganger, um, a, a nose. You want to puke just looking at it. Yeah, I mean whatever it is. They'll put this in the write-up. And then yeah, put it in the write-up. It's amazing. And then that's right. I've I've had many auditions. I read it and I'm like, this is an insult. <laughs> <laughs> okay, an insult. what's the most insulting thing you've auditioned for? This is great. It's, I don't even remember like the what. It could be a commercial. It could be this. But just the, the breakdown. Yeah. Like, you know, like I was just saying, it was like, you know, pedophile, uh, <laughs> creepy, whatever, you know. what I mean, just. You Must know, be able to give a weird, creepy stare at 12-year-old yeah, actress. Looks horrific, oh. you know, <laughs> just the whole thing. Oh man, I can't think of anything more discouraging than like walking into one of those interviews or uh, readings or casting or auditions and then being like, well, you're not ugly enough for the role we're looking for, but you're not good enough looking for the lead. So try something else. I mean, people have to have yeah. their, their emotions crushed like crushed. that, right? Crushed. Oh my goodness. Oh. You, know, you know how you know, okay, so when you book something, they put you on hold, okay? What does that mean? It means you're, hey, we're gonna, we want you for the commercial. So okay. are you available Saturday? Great. Okay, put you on hold. You're like, did, did I book it? Well, yeah, you're on hold. Okay, well, they put a bunch of people on hold because what if somebody gets sick, dies, right? So you could be like number two. And the shoot's Saturday. And do you know when you know if you booked it or not? No. Saturday. Comes Shut the fuck Comes and goes. So like Saturday morning, you're still waiting for the call to find out where the set is and yeah. they just like don't call you? Yeah, like I guess you didn't make it in. Yeah. Yeah. I've been put on hold, nothing. How nerve-wracking is that? You're like looking at your phone. Did I miss a call? Did yeah. I miss a text? Did I miss yeah. an email? Have you ever gotten a wrong number from a girl that's happened to me? I mean, I've gotten many wrong numbers. I don't yeah, know and it's, like, girl, it's like calling, like, I don't understand why, uh, uh, but this must be, I, uh, I dialed it, and they're like, ah, it's a wrong number. I you see know? what you mean. Yeah. Some girl's giving you the wrong number. Yeah, some yeah. girl's giving you the wrong number. Yes, and that like, 100% happened to me. Yeah, so you're sitting there Friday, like, they must not, I mean, tomorrow's the shoot. Like, yeah, why? there's a typo. There's a typo. <laughs> yeah. Oh Where's the call? My phone working? Is this thing on? Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. All right. So tell me how you're going to turn this into a coaching business and take over the world. Like, like the emotional blockage coaching. How do you get people, especially men to accept that? Like, Hey, you probably have a lot of emotional baggage that's holding you back. I can help. That's a good question. Right. I mean, as maybe a, the million dollar question. Well, maybe I, you'd be better at all that than any of this. Shit. I, I, 
Okay, in acting, we kind of deal with whatever blocks, all the blocks, because we want to play all different parts. I don't think that's necessary for the average person. Fair. I don't have to make sure you know how to apologize. I mean, maybe that would be good for you if that you have a hard time, you know, whatever yeah, my, my block was. My wife would probably disagree with you. <laughs> okay, she, yeah. she probably says, okay. oh, the number one thing Scott should work on is apologizing. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, I think it would be identifying maybe specific blocks, mm. common to deal with those because there's some real low hanging fruit, right? It could be, you know, uh, I mean, I dealt with my assistant and he was having some issues moving forward. And I realized it's gotta be some like emotional thing or something. And just, and it was like, you know, you just didn't feel confident. And um, I don't know, I just had all kinds, I forget what it was, but it has all kinds of little fears and insecurities. I just kind of helped him with that without getting long winded on what I did. Yeah. But I'm thinking, you know, what do a lot of people suffer from? I mean, is it just, uh, the rejection, the insecure, are people pushovers or not? I, I mean, you coach a lot of people, so I don't know if there's a common thread um, of issues. Yeah. Commitment is a big one. Commitment. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that's probably a fear thing though, right? Yeah, probably. Yeah. I mean, to me, that to me, I'd want to go like immediately you say that and I'd be like, well, what's the, what's the fear? Uh, yeah. I mean, it can't be commitment. I mean, you want, you want this. I mean, what's, what's the, what's, what's derailing you. Right. And right. kind of figure that out. And, Maybe what I do helps them and maybe it doesn't. Yeah. But there's a place to deal with emotional issues that you need to unblock to move forward. Yeah. It could be in a relationship and work. I, I'm not, I'm not a licensed therapist. So I can't, I can't say I'm practicing therapy. Right. Um, but I think from a business point of view, what comes to mind, I had a friend of mine and she was, she should have been running the company. She's getting paid 70 grand a year doing two jobs or whatever. I said, babe, you gotta, you gotta go in there and like you know, dan man some money, and she just was doing the, you know, pleasery. I don't want to rock the boat, and I'm a good employee, and I'm like, that's an instrumental issue. You need to go and you need to be a killer and go in there and ask for what you're worth. And I worked with her for four, for four weeks, got her in touch with her power, you know, went in, and she got she got a raise, she got a raise and a promotion eventually, but she really and I I didn't give her the confidence. She was just in this dynamic with her employers, being a little bit of a pleaser and a good, good, whatever. And she, she, you know, she could not do it on her own. So I just worked with her a little bit, got in touch with her power, got her expressing stuff. We did just a couple of mock things, you know, tell me what you're worth, got into her value. And she went in and I remember I got her so fired up. And then the morning she had her, she had her call with like the boss, this is during COVID, during the bosses. And she was like, I mean, I was like, she was in the ball buster energy and she went in and she got her raise and eventually she, uh, she got a, a promotion. That's awesome, man. And it wasn't that, I mean, I spent five hours with her or something. It's not yeah. that big of a deal. It's just, we get caught in these, I don't know, you know, just yeah. in our daily lives. It's not like we learn and grow in this area a lot. Yeah. You know, um, there's no emotional, how to ask for a raise gym. Let's go work out there. So she's just locked in this energy that she's just in being a nice little good employee. Yeah. But really she's hurting herself in her career. Let me, let me give you a good one that came up. Uh, you know, there's a group of guys that are loan officers that were, I'd say we're more in touch with our emotion or we're at least better at expressing to each other our emotions. And one of the guys has years ago said something profound as he was helping me coach some people. He's like, Hey guys, like making a sales call is just a net neutral proposition. Either you call them and you get some business or you get better at making the sales calls or there's some net positive or you call them and you still don't have the business that you already didn't have. So it's just net neutral. Like yes. who cares? And he can express that 
But then when it comes time to make the calls, and we just we just talked through this emotion like this last week, we were all together, is like there's a little bit of entitlement of like, man, I've been doing this job for 23 years. I work my ass off. I've made so many clients so much money by getting them to houses. I've saved the day on so many deals for these realtors. Like, why do I have to keep making the sales calls and staying in front of it. And there's a little bit of entitlement there. You feel it, I, I feel, feel it, it. I he feel feels it. it where it's like, God damn, dude, like, why really? do why do I have to keep proving myself and selling you on me and selling? So I don't know if that's a fear of making the call or an entitlement or some type of blockage. What would you maybe start boiling that down to if you were me coaching loan officers or if you were me coaching you or you coaching me? Uh, me coaching myself because yeah. I hate that too. Yeah, of course. Um, well, I'd say awareness, obviously. What you're doing is super important to be aware. The next thing I think I would do is in that moment... There's an there's a exercise we do that's it's so simple and it has such incredible results. It's called Personal Inventory by Eric. And you ask yourself, how do I feel out loud? And you check in with yourself and you answer it out loud. How do I feel? How do I feel? So I'm, and you include your distractions, some awarenesses. So if I'm sitting here, I say, how do I feel? <clears throat> I don't know how I feel. How do I feel? I feel like smoking the cigar that went out. Um, how do I feel? I feel thank you. I feel, I, feel, I feel very engaged in our conversation. That's how I feel. Um, I like what's happening here. I feel good. I feel uh, on, present. I mean, that's just how I feel right now. Mm -hmm. okay? I would try to discover what is going on in that moment mm -hmm. to see wh what is it. Just so you can identify it. Like, are you yeah. scared? Are you, I mean, what, what I feel is it? frustrated, a little defeated. Yeah. A little, um, I, not the word wasteful keeps coming to mind. It's like, dude, did I really waste 23 years of my life? building this business where if I stop working on Monday, no more deals coming on Tuesday. Um, I, would so say a little go, I would say go there. Like, don't like, if you feel like I feel, why should I do this? Right. Entitlement. Like I would say, no, no, like express it, get into it. Don't feel like I shouldn't feel that way. Right. Like maybe, maybe I, if I was working with somebody, I'd have them ex expurgate. Like, tell me all this. What stuff. does like, that word mean? Oh, like, like vent. Oh God. You know, go over the top, you know, like, why do I have to do this? I, I, I hate, you know, express it. Like, and you have to back it up emotionally. Don't just say the words. But maybe get in touch with what it is that you're feeling. Express it, like, over the top, you know? Go yeah. into, like, why should I do this? It's unfair, whatever yeah. you feel, you know? Yeah. See how you feel after that. Feel a little better? Does that do it? Does that do anything? Probably kicks up the anger a little bit. Sometimes expressing, if you really get into an expressing, it kind of clears the air. Yeah. And you can function a little bit. Shoulders go down a little bit. That could be, that could be something. Like, you're just kind of sitting on something. Yeah. May or may not work. You're saying, where would I start? That's the first thing that comes to mind. Yeah. And sometimes you just have to do it. Right, right. I mean, sometimes you just have to do it. Sometimes you have to do the scene. Yeah. Like, I mean, you have to make the call. Like, it yeah. doesn't matter how you feel. Right. So we can do the stuff. Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's, we got to get you pumped up. Maybe it's your confidence. I don't know what it is. If you could do a little personal inventory when you're sta staring at that phone, not wanting to make the call to really figure out what's going on versus you just don't feel specifically. What, what's right. the problem? Right. I'd start there. I like that. Everybody's going to be a little different. Yeah. How much? How much of this is momentum too? Right? Because like I yes. find if, if I make the first call, I'll make the second. Yes. If I make the second, I'll make the third. If I make the third, I look up two hours later. I'm like, oh, 17 it's calls, crazy, nine great conversations. Oh, this was not nearly as scary as I thought it was. So how much of like e either this kind of whatever we want to co call it coaching, life coaching or whatever, yeah. or just acting or anything that you've yeah. experienced. Like yeah. how much of it is just momentum? It's like, oh, cool. I'm on the third, fourth audition. I'm feeling good. Like, 
Like your your girl that's booked all of the yes. co-star roles with no agent. How much of that for her was just momentum? Like, fuck this. I'm just working 20 hours yeah. for this. I got the momentum going into it. Like, with, yes, I'd say that's a lot of it. I don't know if that's a big emotional instrumental issue because we all suffer from it. Right. If everybody had no problem doing it and you're sitting there staring at the phone, I'd be like, ooh, there's probably something here. Right. So I don't know if there's something to be unblocked in that particular case. I would still get into becoming aware of how you feel so you know right. what's going on because that could help. Become, right. Just really kind of understanding. Um, but yeah, in that case, I, I think, you know, you coaching them would probably do more than me trying to get over their emotional issue of staring at a phone in this case. Yeah. Something you know? that I heard, grab your cigar. So, something that I heard um, a while ago, and I don't know if this is true. I don't know if this is pseudoscience. I, I, maybe this is just t- total bullshit, but it's stuck in my mind, so it must not be bullshit to me. <laughs> um, they were saying that when it comes to sales, you know, somewhere in our lizard brain from 10,000, 20,000, 50,000 years ago, the idea of rejection meant that you died. Like, if you were rejected by the tribe and you no longer oh. had your other hunter-gatherers with you and you didn't have your woman to, you know, clean the animal that you just caught and you didn't have a tribe of people to stay awake so that the tribe next door didn't just, you know, slit your throat in the middle of the night, you died. So the idea of rejection literally equaled death until probably like 500 years ago, wow. maybe even more recent than that. And so when we're trying to make sales, the, what this guy was... was um, um, was hypothesizing, hypothesizing, yeah. coming up with a hypothesis. Um, what his hypothesis was, was that the idea of getting rejected through a sales process in somewhere mm. deep, deep in our subconscious or our inner core equals death. Like our lizard mm. brain is like, if this person rejects me, it's it might as well be death because yeah. the tribe is saying no. And I was like, oh, that's, that's really powerful. Like you can't o- overcome the fear of death. Like everybody has that at some level. Yeah. I'm like, just think of every time you made a sales call, you were aware of the fact that like, hey, <laughs> I could die. my internal being is telling me I could die if the sales call doesn't go well. But I know consciously in 2023, that's just not the case anymore. Yeah, that might, that might, Does that ring true yeah, to you? Yeah, there might be something to that. Right. And none of us want to be rejected ever. Right. That As human beings, that's a very big deal to be rejected. Very, very, very. Learned that on Oprah, okay, 15 years ago. Perfect. Rejection. I mean, it's just a, I think it just taps into that too. Yeah. But there might be something to that. But I'm like, when I'm thinking like emotional stuff, I'm thinking it could also be like you're having some issues, relationship issues in your life that are having, uh, messing up your business. Yeah. You know, it's really individual things. So it's like, I wouldn't take somebody that doesn't think they need help and say, I can help you. No, right. it's like, what, what, what's happening with you right now? Is there right. something... If you're like, why are you just keep making $50,000 a year? You know, why aren't you doing more? What's the deal? What's, you know, at some point you're like, what is that? Is it self-esteem? Is it, you know, like want to tackle something specific? Yeah. So I have a hard time thinking of just like these three things we would do. Right. It's just kind of personal right. to the, to the people. Dude, I feel like you might find your niche in men or women that aren't great for sticking up for the, cause like four of the different examples that you use has been sticking out up for themselves, um, finding their power to ask for the rate. Like you've, yeah. just in this hour and a half, you've used three or four examples where it's like, oh yeah, this is about getting people to stand up for themselves. I think like in business, right? Yeah. That's just kind of what comes to mind. I'm trying to think is business isn't always emotional. Sometimes right. like it's not, not emotional, right? right? You're just, you're at war, right? You're just powering through. Yeah. So I, I, yeah, I don't think it's going to be like we deal with 30 different obstacle, emotional obstacles that come over. Right. We're probably going to figure out it's, there's a certain set in yeah. business that people could really, that might be suffering from that could be benefiting. 
from overcoming certain things. I love that. You you know what's interesting is um you know the the stat that always comes up. Women make seventy seven percent of what men make. Da 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 da. Yes. Okay. So I, I wanted to make sure that I understood this. So I've read I've read more on this topic than pretty any probably yeah, okay. any other political topic. So it's like what they do is they say men versus women. Period. It's like well you're not adjusting for a lot of things. You're not adjusting for the fact that men take more dangerous jobs like you know, s- snow fishing in the Bering Sea yes, and yes. working on pipelines in the middle of the fucking tundra. So there's like, there's a there's a cost per dollar of risk that men tend to take more than women. You know, there's more men that work on the railroads and lumberjacks and oil rigs. So there's that, that accounts for like eight or 10% of that difference. And then there's this, this issue of like, women are the ones that have children. So they tend to take off more time for children, which is totally fine. I don't think that's a negative thing in society, even though we framed it that way. When you start to account for the fact that uh, a man and a woman, they start at uh, JP Morgan at the same time, they're going through their, through their career. 10 years in, the woman maybe chooses to take two years off to be with the family or child rear or give birth or whatever. The male just has like now a two-year head start, right? When you account for that, that takes... So when it's all said and done, the real gap between men and women is about three or 4% that men make more money from women for same job, same number of hours worked, same time in career. Interesting. They can track that three or 4% back, which can become a sizable amount of money over their lifetime, all the way back to the first job, first offer they got because men are more disagreeable than women mm. and women will get the offer letter that says, here's your first job out of college. Congratulations, $76,000 a year. Women nine out of 10 times will take that. And men five out of five times will be like, no, I don't want 76,000 a year. I want 81,000 a year. And so now you start to extrapolate that over a 20 or 30 career, 20 or 30 year career, that four or 5% can be Mm. a really big fucking deal. Um, Maybe I think it's three to 4%. But what you're trying to maybe teach people, what your specialty, what your like zone of genius might be is like, hey, I want to work, I want to work with men or women that don't feel comfortable standing up for themselves when they first get out of college to get their first job. Cause I will get you five or 10% more just by getting you (laughs) out of that, out of that space and be able to negotiate for more. Yes. I think we just created a whole new business for you. Yeah. I I, I heard that too with, with women that sometimes maybe they're not going to bat as much or themselves. Yeah. Or as aggressive or something. And I thought, Oh, that, that could, that could be really true. Right. I mean, I, I don't know, but I'm like, yes, could help with that for sure. Yeah. You know, the funny thing is, it's not even that hard. Like, when you know what I know, it's like, it's not like, this is a year. Right. Uh, no. It, it it's like a couple it's, hours. Doesn't Well, maybe a little more than a couple hours, but, okay. <laughs> but it's not some monstrous issue that's going to take forever. You know, you're not in therapy for 20 years trying to deal with this problem. We just need to get you to the point where you can go and uh, go and uh, I don't want to change your whole personality. So you can have the same personality, but when it comes time, to go ask for that raise or stand up for yourself, you need to be able to do that. Yeah. That's where I need to get you to. Man, we've been doing a lot of back-to-back podcasts because we batch these. Yep. And just the other day, uh, I was talking to a guy in the uh, the music world. That his podcast will probably come out a couple of weeks before you. And we were talking about this very thing. And he's in the music industry. And I'm like, hey, tell me all the ways the music industry screws you over, da 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 And um, I, I wrote this down and I circled it. And it's going to be a clip. Because he said... Hey, in the music industry, yeah, there's plenty of stories of people that got screwed and whatnot. But what I know about the music industry is artists don't get what they deserve. They get what they negotiate for. Mm. And I was like, how profound that this guy's yeah. like, yeah, we can sit around and complain all day that Spotify only pays you, you know, $1,000 per million downloads. But you've got to know your business and you have to know who you're working with and you have to know where your originals lie and you have to know who owns the masters and you have to negotiate for yourself hard. 
And I was like, man, wow. there's probably hundreds of thousands of artists and music musicians out there who need to hear that mm. line of you don't you don't get paid what you deserve. Yeah, you're probably an amazing guitar player. You probably deserve a whole lot more. It's about what you negotiate for yourself. Yeah, they're not going. You're so good. Let's give you a little more. Yeah, let's pay you more. Yeah, yeah no business in in our business. No business. In, you know what, man? You're doing a great job at those loans. You have so few conditions. We're going to give you a pay raise because <laughs> you just, you deserve it. You do you great loans. It. It's never happened in the history of the financial world. You know, you're right. I never thought about it like this, but like if you don't have that, if you are working and you don't have that ability, you are, you're a little, you're going to have some issues. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Just in your life. Like you're not going to be able to push as, as hard if you're in the workforce and you have a hard time standing up for yourself, asking for a raise, right? Demanding yeah. more money. If yeah. you don't come with that, you're right over your lifetime. That's got to impact you. Yeah. Big time. How, how many people over the course of, I've seen this from coaching. You've probably seen it from the loan world. How many people start getting disgruntled? <clears throat> they get frustrated. They work themselves into a tizzy for like a year. And then they're finally, <laughs> I'm quitting. And their boss is like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. no, we love you. Can, yeah. can we give you a raise? Can we give you a retention yes. bonus? But it's like that train's already left the station. Yes. They've already signed paperwork to go work somewhere else. And now it's awkward. And, and they just like, they screw their You're own right. life for a year. They screw yes. their own career because they won't have the tough conversation up front and stand up for themselves. They rather ruminate it and get angry for a year, change their email, change their whole career, change their company. And what's ironic is it would have been easier yes. for them to stay there and ask for a raise. And the person was willing to give them a raise yes. by the fact that when they finally said, I'll leave, they, they offer them extra money to stay. Yes. So how do you find those people a year before so you can coach them and make money from doing that? <laughs> I, I don't know. All right. We're going to figure that out the next okay. time you come in. Okay. Um, there's a couple of questions that I always like to end on. Um, one of them is, you know, this, this will come out. We're a little bit ahead in our filming schedule. Finally, this will come out like summer of 2023. So what are you looking forward to the second half of the year, whether it's business, personal, we didn't get into any of that. And then especially since it's you, this is a question I ask everybody, but favorite movie or several favorite movies and why? Okay. When I'm doing the second half of the year, um, Getting a paycheck would be nice. How about a couple of loans, huh? Yeah, yeah. Um, For those I, of you that don't know what we're talking about, it's been a tough year in the mortgage business. Yeah, very tough year in the mortgage business. I've been working on other things, so I'm just hoping that that kind of starts going a little bit because mm -hmm. I think lending is not going to be quite as busy as it's been. Yeah, Right. Fair. So I'm kind of, by the end of the year, I want to have another thing going, not full-time right. we're going, but something else yeah, kind of happening. Multiple revenue sources. Yeah, multiple revenue sources. Um, that's Plus a Bud Light commercial or something that yeah, goes national yeah, syndication yeah. that you can get paid for. Yeah, I, I booked it, and for some reason they didn't shoot it. I don't uh, know. No. Um, uh, favorite movie. Oh, my God. I just thought of the other day. And there might be several, by the way. Oh, my God. My brain. Hold on a second. How do I feel? Yeah. I feel stressed. I feel like I can't remember a movie. I was thinking about a movie. I'm like, this must be one of my favorite movies. I can't think what it was right now. It's funny. For the longest time, it was Back to the Future, okay? Oh, Robert Zemeckis. <laughs> Fantastic, like right? Best ever. Yeah, best ever. Um, why? Is that why you're saying? Yeah, why? Why was Back to the Future so good? So we didn't get into this, but I spent a lot of time in Germany as a kid. Oh, that's right. And Yeah, and so I saw that movie in Germany, okay? Why is that significant? There's something about seeing movies in Germany about America that was It's kind of like just this, you know, it wasn't your backyard. It's far away. Yeah. You know? The You're like, oh, this, studios. Is what, this is what all these American high school kids I mean, are dealing with. Like, incredible, you know? And I just, I don't know. I just fell in love with that movie. I, I just, I did not like living in Germany. I wanted to be in America. And there was just this fantasy movie. And it was America. I don't know. It just seemed very American, right? Yeah. Go back in the 50s. Yeah. That whole thing. 
I was like, yes, yes, yes. Then, funny, I ended up moving to L.A. Then I was in the Hollywood Hills, and I was at the border. The house was right at the fence of the Universal lot. When you go to the fence, you could look. I could see the clock tower. Oh, yeah, yeah, right there where the studio is. It burned down, though. Yeah, that whole back lot burned down, It burned down, yeah. 10 years ago? But I could see that, and I'm like, back to the future. You're like, I made it. I made it in life. Oh, man. What else? What other movies? Uh, Man on Fire. Yeah. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Um, uh, The guy yesterday also said Man on Fire. I know. Man on Fire has been on everybody's (laughs) mind. So good. So good. If you could... if 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 they were going to remake a movie and you were going to star in it. Oh my God. Yeah. These are such good questions. I'm like, I, I, I have good We questions. need to cut. I need to go outside and think for 15 we're, minutes. We're, in, back uh, in. We're, in, we're on episode like 150. Like I'm finally getting good at asking questions. Um, but yeah, is there a movie out there where you're like, I, I, I will tell you what it is for me. Um, if I was an actor, which I'm not, never will be. Not yet. Not, no, just not. <laughs> but um, I can't think of any movie that would have been greater to star in than Gladiator. Like, oh, to me, okay. that movie is just, like, it's revenge and it's sadness and it's revenge. <laughs> and it's, like, the best fight scenes ever choreographed. And there was, like, this grand scale and there was the Coliseum. And I love Rome. That's one of my all-time favorite places. And I want, desperately want to go back. But I'm waiting for the kids to be a little bit older so they remember it because it's not a cheap trip. Um, but I'm like, yeah. Like, if I could if I could substitute with, like, Russell Crowe, Circa, whenever that movie came out. Yeah. When did that movie come out, yeah. Chris? 98, maybe? 99? Somewhere around there? Uh, Gladiator. Sounds about right. Yeah, sounds about right. somewhere around there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I know the movie. What's the movie? It was in two thousand. Okay, close. Wall Street. I want the role of Michael Douglas. Oh, I do. Iconic. My personality. I've discovered. You discover this through auditioning, kind of where you fit best, strangely. Yeah. And anything where I got to be an asshole. Yeah. I'm a lawyer. I'm a CEO. That I get a lot of that. Yeah. So that like uh, I'm a capitalist, screw everybody. Yeah, I don't really feel that way, but right. on camera I have a real good presence for that. Nice, so, that's a great role, man. It's great, it's so good. The greed is the greed is good speech, iconic, like everything. Um, the one scene where um, I can't remember they're like they're playing racquetball or something, and he's like he says something to the effect of like. Yeah, clean up, we'll eat lunch, but like lunch is for pussies or so, something <laughs> yeah. like that. There's yeah, just, yeah. there's so many great scenes. And then he's like, go great. see my tailor, get a good suit. That's a piece of shit. I mean, he's just such a good douchebag in that movie. Right. Or The Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. I don't know if I'd be right for that part, but I like it so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, how can you not? You get to like, oh you get to have sex with Robbie Margot. Robbie, yeah, that's her name. She's, I, I mean, hardcore sales, crazy. Like, when she was in that role, I was like, Insane, Did a fourteen-year-old right? boy draw this woman? I know because she's insane. like insane. Yeah, like she just burst onto the scene, and you're like, uh Did some doll come to life? Exactly. Like what? Yeah. Exactly. So weird. All right, man. Um, well, first of all, I appreciate you coming on. Thanks for having me. Um, we're we're gonna build a business around this getting over your emotional blockage and helping people negotiate okay, for more do. money. Yes, yes. And uh, and then we're gonna have you on when the business launches because like I think you're onto something there. Thank you. Thanks all right. for having me. Thanks, man. Appreciate, appreciate you.